Hi, Chris. How are you? Yeah. Hi, Rod. I'm very well. Welcome to episode 11. Yep. We shall get on with it, but I think we should make a very, very quick apology for being a bit late this week. I think uh, work got in the way for both of us, so to all our dedicated listeners, all, I don't know, three of you, however many there are, one maybe, we're sorry we're late this week. We'll try to do better. I think it's fair to say it's all my fault for bad... Uh, I'll, bad I'll cover for you, Chris. It could just as easily be me, and it might be me another time, but uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Let's just crack on, I say. So, straight into follow-up, uh, did you watch Pachinko? I was letting you say it because I wasn't quite sure how to pronounce it. So I've watched about three quarters of episode one. Not sure it's for me, but I'm going to persevere because what I have enjoyed about this podcast, and even if we do only have three listeners, you are making me try new things, which I think is a positive. And so I am watching it. I'm not 100% sure on it. I would have probably got further with it, but I will pick that up under media in a minute. But no, I'm, it, it's okay, but I'm not sure it's for me, but I will persevere. What I do like about it though, subtitles is it makes you watch it rather than just have it on in the background whilst you're doing something else. So I quite like well, it's forced. I have not watched Pachinko. I was full of good intentions to do it, but got derailed for a lot of reasons. One is, maybe in media, we'll come back to that. The MotoGP Unlimited program I got completely addicted to and spent a lot of my time doing that. And it was the end of the season of Star Trek Discovery, which is another thing I watched. So unfortunately, I didn't do my homework and I didn't watch Coda either. But I promise, maybe not by the time we do the next show, but... Uh, Soon, I will watch Pachinko and Coda, and I will feedback. Oh, and I have been continuing to watch Severance, but we'll touch we'll touch on that in media as well. And then next up, just to my follow up, I just want to follow up on my IKEA blinds that I've purchased. They are awesome. Now I've got it all working. I've got a scene in home that just goes open my shed, and the blinds go up. I can put the light on if I want. I can turn on the Apple TV, and then when I finish work for the night, I just go close shed once I'm outside, and the blinds go down, and it shuts the blind in front of the door. Really good bit of kit. Once it's up and running, getting it up and running added time kit was a little bit pants, but these apps generally are. I'm glad that it works so well for you. And what you've triggered in my head is we need to talk about HomeKit. I think maybe we'll do that next show because there's quite a lot to say about HomeKit from the setup to the use to some of the devices that are available or not available on it. And I think it's worth uh, exploring that a little more deeply. Yeah, that's definitely a factor. I'll also apologise to the listener that I'm I'm a little on the on the coldy fluey side. It's not COVID, so if I sound a bit rough, I apologise. Very deep and husky. <laughs> Scottish Barry White. White. I don't know how that would come over. Anyway, I think that's it for us uh, for us for follow up, Chris. So we can move straight on to news. Yeah. So first up, WWDC's been announced, which is awesome. Always like to know when it's coming out. And for me, it's the week before my birthday. So hopefully uh, Apple are going to give that me That would be nice of them. So as tickets. explainer-in-chief, WWDC is the Worldwide Developers Conference. We have touched on this last week and, and I think the week before that. It's when Apple announced primarily all their software products and their changes to the iOS, uh, Macintosh OS, tvOS, watchOS, maybe reality OS if that becomes a thing. Uh in the up and coming year, it starts with a beta for all of these products, which Chris and I stupidly install on all of our main devices generally. I might not do it on this Mac this year, given we have to record the podcast. And you can tell me what that's like, but I'll probably go ahead and do my other devices. It's big. It's primarily for developers so they can see what direction software is taking, new APIs, uh, application programming interfaces to build against that they integrate their stuff with, and occasionally they release the odd hardware product. Yeah, so I, th- I think it's good, and I think the way Apple are doing it, it's really good. So since 2020, it's been online only, whereas historically it used to be very much in person for circa 5,000 people, and then you could watch some of it remotely from home a- around the country, which was or around the country, around the world, apologies. So, but from 2020, obviously, for, for, for obvious reasons, they did it online only, and I think it's, it was stunning first year out the gates. Considering they'd never done that format before, 
and they nailed it loads of stuff stream live all the sessions <coughs> you can watch loads of on catch up and then if you are a registered developer you can have q a sessions and go to discussions and, and online formats so really good but this year they are doing for a select few i'm guessing press in person as well on the campus which i think is the right balance it's online only for literally everybody and we will do a bit of a press event that kind of feels like the right thing to do this year so yeah it's definitely it. a good thing to have some people i think the reaction in the room uh, when you've when i've watched these things in the past and i've never been to one and you've never been to one either there's obviously a lot of apple employees seated around in the audience so you get woos and all this kind of stuff when things are announced and i i I guess if you've got press and they're saying students, I think, may be invited to, to be in person as well. What that will look like, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're just reacting to the video in person. It will be interesting to see. I was about to say that. I wonder if it is just watching the video or if they're actually going to perform it live and, and, and stream it live. I imagine it's going to be watching the video because they can iron out any kinks. Yeah. You can always assume they're going to want to do. Yeah. I, mean, I think, well, let's talk about WWDC a bit more in the main show, I think, because there's, there's a fair bit to sort of cover uh, with that. And I'd quite like to talk about some of the videos and things that they release as well, as well as hardware and, and, and things like that. So uh, it's, good, it's good that it's been announced. We were anticipating it. And okay. there it is. We've got the announcement. Okay. And then next up on the list, just 15.4.1's been released. I think it's just minor bug fix update. I had kind of forgotten it to come out, if I'm honest, until you put it into the show notes. But that's there to go. Yeah, I think if you're software. if you're not running a beta OS uh, of any way, shape, manner, or form, go and get it. Get your updates. Turn on automatic updates if you haven't. Uh, if you're not the kind of person who checks for these things, I watch my kids ignore their updates and not restart their phones because they get up in the morning. It drives me crazy. These minor point upgrades are very important because they tend to be security patches, which is active vulnerabilities that are out there in the wild. So just do your updates when they come along. It's not that big a deal to have your phone off for, well, somewhere between 5 and 35 minutes, depending on how long they take sometimes. But uh, yeah, get them done. Yeah, I'm assuming you've got a similar role to me in the house of just go around and update these devices. And I'm finding with my children getting older now, it's like, oh, I need to make sure I've got their iPads, I do my wife's Mac, her watch, her phone, oh, all the Apple TVs in the house. So Yeah, yeah I don't care about the Apple TVs. I let them update themselves. Eventually, they come up. I've got one just over my shoulder here, and it, I was watching something a minute ago, and it said, oh, I've just updated. Have you? Don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to tell. What yeah, it, it's just a front end for, for Netflix and Apple TV Plus and all the rest of it, isn't it? For, for all they've tried to make the Apple TV quite a fancy, expensive device, it's not that much better from the Amazon sticks I've used or the Google sticks I've used or the Xbox that I can do the same thing on or actually the stuff that's built into the TV. It's slicker, it's faster for doing some things, but I don't think it's, a well, £100 better than a lot of those devices. I love mine. I've got four, as we've noted in previous shows. But I think they lost their way a bit by doing the full apps thing. <coughs> they kind of got the concept right with the previous generation where it was just media streaming apps. And actually, that's all they needed to really focus on. It's kind of over-engineered to a degree. But while we're using our house, and we are loving the profiles that you get on it, so I've managed to get the children onto it now so that they can, you know, when they watch things, it doesn't get in my watch next queue, you know, like Thunderbirds or Thomas the Tank Engine or any other animated film. And I think it's great. I just think they've over-engineered it with all the games because we don't touch any of that. It's all about streaming apps. And I do use the music app quite a bit. Now I've got one in my shed. I listen to a lot of music through it, which I barely Yeah, I've got ones. iTunes uh, music on my Mac or my iPad or my phone, and that tends to be where I listen to it. I, I tell you, the only time that I'll make use of the music app on the Apple TV 
just because it happens to be it happens to be one in the living room, is at Christmas when they're unwrapping presents and I hit play on it and that's it. I play the Christmas playlist when it comes out. And that's the entire usage of music on the Apple TV. I forget there's games on there, to be honest, and you can pair a game, you know, you can pair a PS4, PS5, Xbox controller to it if that's what you want to do. I think I did I did it once to see if it worked. I played, it. I can't remember, one of the first games, the one John Syracuse is always on about, one of the sort of rider, beat rider type games. No, nope, it's gone. We'll have to put it in the show notes and do an immediate follow-up. Yeah, we'll, we'll look at yeah, it. I played that. It, it worked. It wasn't a PlayStation. I don't think it is Beat, beat Saber. That's Saber. a VR game. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. well, that's, well, that's going to be a very fast follow-up for the next show, I think. So, uh, yeah. Uh, moving swiftly along, I think it's it's a good device that will get a beta for it. The other thing in the news that Apple has announced is they've released the beta of 15.5. The first beta for that's come out. And that seems to have a few things in it, for a bit more than you know, sort of your point upgrade. So there's f- further references to Apple Classical, which is quite interesting. There's been rumors of that since before the last event, that there was going to be a sort of dedicated area within Apple Music just for classical music, because I think of the complexities of titling and, and discovering classical music. Is it by this composer? Is it by this orchestra? Is it by this particular artist who's singing it? There's a particular thing you're looking for, which is different from cataloging rock and roll or pop or, or more more mainstream music than classical is these days. So that's interesting if they're going to do that. We'll see if it comes along. Yeah, I think it's good they're doing a separate app. I just wanted to say, I think rather than piling more into the music app, I get a little frustrated with the music app and we're just talking about Apple TV, some of the way it does albums and trying to get back to the album you're listening to just could be better. So I'm glad they're not trying to shoehorn the app, which was originally called Prime Phonic, that they bought over a year and a half ago in, or sorry, not even a year and a half ago, back in August 21. Glad they're not just shoehorning the functionality in, but let's have it separate over here for you classical music lovers. I'm quite looking forward to it because my kids quite like a bit of classical music. Yeah, I, I think if you're a big classical music listener, you probably don't appreciate many of the features of iTunes, sorry, Apple Music. And let's face it, even hardcore Apple Music fans don't appreciate most of the, uh, the features of uh, Apple Music because it's problematic. It's not a great app. It has, was rewritten and they didn't do a good job, particularly of, of, of its change from iTunes to being a more dedicated music-focused app. But that's another story. So Apple Apple Classical coming soon, hopefully. For the, our, our American cousins, Apple Pay Cash is getting some new functionality. It's getting request and send to ask for money or to send money to people. It's not a feature we have anywhere else in the world except America. So it's as far as I understand it, Apple Cash is a sort of a virtual credit card, debit card on your phone. You can put music on it. It's like a wallet beyond the just adding your debit card credit cards as we can do it in the UK you can actually hold cash on on this Apple Cash credit card and we're hearing increasingly rumors of Apple heading towards being a bank anyway that there's that they've bought a, made a couple of purchases in the last couple of years about um people are able to carry out credit checks people are able to look at finance histories and things and you know with these moves in America for for Apple Pay Cash and all the things with an Apple wallet and the update program that we saw we talked about last week when we were buying new hardware there does seem to be, you know, they've got all the money in the world. Why wouldn't they maybe become a bank? I don't know. I think it makes sense. Well, they need to put their money somewhere. So why don't you put it in your own bank? Um, I just want it all in the UK. I want the Apple Pay card. I want the Apple Pay cash. I just, just can we have all that in the UK, please? Because I don't use Yeah, PayPal I just don't anymore. use PayPal. And I know Americans already have options, like they have Venmo and things like that. But I think our banking system may be a little easier in the UK. I don't know if we're baxing money here and there. It's not exactly difficult to do it. You know, b- banks like Starling and Monzo make that very easy. I think even the old traditional banks are... Uh, Royal Bank of Scotland, HSBC and others are making it easier than they ever used to, you know, face ID within the apps to do this kind of stuff. It's interesting for my 
what I've read about what goes on in America. The interest rates on them as a credit card aren't particularly useful when you use it like that. You know, it's it's not the greatest banking app in the world, and it's underwritten by somebody like MB, MBNA or one of those sort of uh, classical uh, credit card companies in America. So uh, again, we'll do follow up on that to be more accurate on what it was. But yeah, it'd be quite nice to do it. It's only restricted to Apple people, though, isn't it? You know, you're not going to send money to your Android friends with this. So they need to make this. It's another instance where Apple just need to be a bit more sort of cross-compatible, I think. That, that's handy, <laughs> yeah. so it's fine. Quite a lot of people use Android devices, though, and you want to send money to them at some point, you know? So keeping in mind our bias, I, I think if you're going to do something like this, you need to, you know, Apple Music is available for Android devices. Why not make some of the other services available? Particularly if you're going to be a bank, you've got more customers. <laughs> True, true. I, I don't disagree. I was, I was being a bit flippant, but no, I'm, I'm with you. I think if you're going to do it, do it everywhere. Do it, yep. do it right. And if you're going to own the stack, get on with it. I think I don't know. I don't know whether they've had something in the background that's that they've faulted them a little bit because, like, the Apple credit card just hasn't done anything outside of the US. Same with the Apple Pay Cash, which unlike Apple, normally they've got. We're going to do it here, and then we're going to start rolling it out. And I don't know whether something's happening in the background or it's just been harder. I, I don't know. It just seems odd that it's just stopped in the US. And yeah, I, I wonder if there's learning going on, though, if they're learning what it's like to partner. We know how much they like to do things themselves. They don't like to, you know, they don't like to outsource anything that they can do it themselves. So I think there's a bit of learning working with these third-party uh, companies, maybe buying the expertise where they don't have it. I mean, who knows where they're going to go? They used to be just a computer company. Now they're a media company as well, so who knows where they'll go next. That's very true. The anyway, I think we've done that until we get a bit more details on it. Moving swiftly along, also in the beta, updated home app, you'll be able to see Wi-Fi connections to your HomePods, which I suppose is useful. I don't, not a thing I've ever worried about my HomePods. I tell them to play music, I argue with Siri a bit, and then they eventually play what I ask them to. Better implementations of universal control. Some other sort of minor updates to sports kits, and that's pretty much it, except the big one, I guess, which is there are external links now to reader apps. So again, as explainer-in-chief, if you went to buy a Kindle on a, an iPad or an iPhone or something like that, it wouldn't let you. It wouldn't even offer the, the, the possibility of telling you that this is a thing you could do. You had to load up Safari or whatever your web browser of choice was, visit the Amazon store, buy it outside of the app, the, the Kindle app that you were reading it on, and then visit and re-download the book. So it was always a bit of a strange thing, and now they're going to allow links to links to books, uh, uh, specifically for e-reader apps, this thing, links to those kinds of purchases within it, but it will warn you that you're leaving the app store. I'm a bit confused on this one, and I'll tell you for why, because I'm using Audible on my phone, use quite a bit, and I often go to the website buy something, but then I realised the other day, oh, I can just buy stuff from within the app. Yeah. So I'm, I'm confused... Are we already doing this or are we just doing this? Well, I think it's Amazon and Kobo because they're the two big players in this field. And we don't really get Kobo in the UK quite so much. I think they're bigger in Europe. An audiobook is not the same as an e And this specifically, oh, these external links are to allow you to create and manage accounts. So it's sort of pointing you towards the fact that this is something that is outside of Apple's control. But at least they're acknowledging that ebooks are a thing that are sold by other people. It's always struck me as weird that you can buy physical things in the Amazon app. I can go and buy a book. I can buy a you know, a lawnmower. Apple don't take any money off the top of that for for the privilege of doing it. But the second it goes to be a, a, an ebook, they won't even acknowledge the existence of it. So this is sort of the dichotomy of of, of Apple doing these kinds of things, where they sell ebooks as well. And obviously, this comes from we want to buy you to buy our ebooks and not not go off and use Amazon's. 
you know, one big company making it slightly more difficult for another big company to do something, you know, they'll come to a deal in the end of the day. And let's face it, they already have with Amazon. Apple TV Plus is available on Amazon's devices. It's it's just, it's a very strange thing to me. If you're going to allow one thing, like you said, with your audiobooks, allow it for everything. Yeah, sorry, you made me go and open up the Kindle app and then it crashed and then it had me signing in and I'm just going to quit it, I think, because I haven't used it. Fair enough, that's what a Kindle's for. Do you know what, though? This new beta actually made me just go, you know what, I don't need the beta. I'm going to remove all the beta profiles ahead of WWDC and I'll have a couple of months in beta-free Exactly the same. I took my beta profiles off today. So I think that covers it for the beta and that covers it for the news. We can move swiftly along to media. Yeah, so media, I just wanted to report that Slow Horses has been released on Apple TV+. Plus. This has got Gary Oldman in it, who is, I think, awesome. I really like him. And partly why I didn't finish my homework, because I watched the first episode of Slow Horses right in my alley. It's basically about secret, not secret agents, MI5 agents that aren't that great. They go, they, they get siphoned off, to, not to a big fancy building, but to some back alley house. And they, they do the minor sort of jobs. I'm only like one episode in, but again, it's got the Apple... TV plus sheen to it. It's got Gary Oldman, which is awesome. Just and it's got Christian St- Scott Thomas in it too. It just looks fantastic. Right, my street, set in London. Quite enjoying that. So I'm, I'm going to be investing a few hours in that. That no, sounds interesting. Is it like a live action Archer? Then have you seen Archer? Yeah, I have seen Archer. Not quite. Archer is quite different with the humour. I guess this is more just the washed up MI5 agents that that maybe failed a test or an exam. And I don't want to ruin any of the story, but. That's how it kind of starts off, and it's it's a bit grubby where they're based, and then they have to make a delivery to proper MF, MI5, which is a nice fancy pants office, you know, with with security, and you've got to swipe your card to get in. Whereas this is just like I say, like some some back alley with a, a house in it. So it's just quite an interesting take, and I'm a little curious to go and read the book actually. So there's a, there's a series of books books on it too. So I'm, I'm going to give it a go. I, yeah, it's really good. No, quality. sounds good. I, I did see the uh, the trailer for it as well, and thought it looked interesting. Gary Oldman's always very watchable and everything, except maybe Dracula. And even then, he wasn't the worst thing in that. I think Keanu Reeves' accent was the worst thing in that. Yeah, I think it's worth a go. I'll go on the list after Pachinko for me. I think, you know, obviously, Pachinko didn't ring your bell particularly, but good good for trying it. And in the same vein, I will try uh, Slow Horses, I think. So, yeah, very interesting. I can report on Severance. The last season of that is tomorrow, as we record here in the UK. So I'm really looking forward to that. That is a season that's grown and grown and grown. And I see more and more stuff about it on the internet and on Twitter and things, that it's a bit of a sort of slow grower in the same way Ted Lasso was, I think. That's sort of the feeling I'm getting about it. It's very well produced. It has that sheen. Uh, The direction is good. The cinematography is amazing. And the feeling of oppression in the offices and the sort of slightly out-of-time technologies that are involved in it. I, I read a little thing by one of the showrunners talking about the technology and the way they show it, that it's deliberately meant to seem a bit like a spaceship. What he was designing when he was designing the offices was alien, massive spaces with thing, places to roam around in, but not a lot of focus. And the technology just seeming very slightly out of step to sort of really push on that your your work life and your home life are very different. And the, the, the sort of things you have to do when you go to work are completely different from what you do. So it's just, they've thought about the details very good. And, you know, all, all props to Ben Stiller for coming up with the idea and, and, and directing it. But the, the actors are doing a bang-up job. It's it's a really impressive series, and I'm looking forward to the final one. And season two announced. Fantastic. It is really good. And I've got another week crash coming out tomorrow, I'm guessing, as it's Friday here in the UK. So I'm um, looking forward to that. I think, I think I just wanted to say that Apple seem to be killing it with Apple TV Plus moment. They've, they've taken a while to get going, but now it's got going. I mean, you're watching Severance. Slow Horses, I've just raved about. 
we crashed i'm really enjoying i watched suspicion recently and then there's there's some other stuff coming and, and i've still got like the morning show to watch and the one about nasa and the alternative universe so there's just some really good high quality stuff coming i think the only thing for me i wouldn't mind just see a few more films because i do like a film that's an hour maybe two hours of my time and he's not a 10 hour season but i just think the, the production value is really well, good for all mankind the alternative history nasa thing is what brought me back and made me want to, to have apple tv plus for another year because it was so well done i like ron moore anyway battlestar galactica is one of my favorite favorite sci-fi tv shows and of course before that he was one of the writers in star trek the next generation he's got a lot of a lot of background and he's he's bringing that attention to detail you know to to, to this alternative uh, history version of nasa it's a really well done show Season two was excellent. Hopefully season three will be as well when it comes along. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think they are, from a TV point of view, knocking out the park. In fact, to such an extent, I haven't gone to watch the new Marvel show on Disney+, Plus, which is Moon Knight. I've, I've religiously watched all of them up to date. Up to date. Loki, Hawkeye, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, as they've come along. I'm in no great rush to watch Moon Knight, despite the fact it's set in London and it's, you know, it's, uh, Marvel is also a very good high uh, production value to the shows. But I just haven't at the time. I'm not making time for it at the moment. I'd rather watch the Apple TV Plus stuff and, you know, some of the homework we've got on this show. Maybe I'll get around to it at some point. I think I'm quite enjoying the Apple TV Plus stuff, though, because it, it isn't just rehashes and it's not just more to, to go on your Marvel's rant. It's not just more on superheroes. You know what I mean? I think that's why I'm quite liking it. It's fresh material, which is quite nice. We've had a lot of remakes lately. I mean, how many Spider-Man remakes have there been and Batman? So I don't. I think they're they're nailing it. So I think it's it's come a lot. Well, Batman is DC and not Marvel, but we'll let I'll let that one go and we'll go on. But you know what I mean, though. They've done three different types of Batman in like the last fifteen years, and they've done three Spider-Man series in the last 15 years as well it's just yeah i don't disagree i think the stuff they're doing with star wars disney is far more interesting than the stuff they're doing with marvel at the moment it's getting a bit played out i'm I'm sure we'll get bored of that too but in the meantime it's good to have a quality alternative you know i think disney are the massive conglomerate if they want to sponsor the show feel free by the way disney plus i think we can recognize that competition is a good thing and the house of mouse own lots and lots and lots of properties and it is nice to something different severance is definitely a different show something like pachinko you can't necessarily see them producing it's good to have the competition in the market definitely and it's good to have the alternatives as well it's not just competition it's quality good Oh no, we have got one more topic, which I know nothing about. I'm going to let you uh, say what that is. I only put this in because my kids are asking me, Dad, when can we buy Sing 2? Because they saw it on the Apple TV and it's like, it's to rent and it's 14 quid or, or more. If we just wait a few more weeks, we'll be able to buy it. And it made me think, are people still renting like iTunes rentals or Apple TV rentals? I never do it because it's, I don't know, 14, 15 quid. I'd rather just wait a little bit longer <coughs> to, to buy the film at that price. I don't mind paying full price if it's a film I really want to watch. But I, just want to I do, do not do any rentals, no. I, I will buy something of it, something I particularly want to watch. Going back to Disney+, Plus, my kids really wanted to watch Black Widow when it came out on Disney+. Plus. It was more or less simultaneously released with the cinema and Disney+, Plus on the same day. I think it was 15 quid or 20 quid or something like that to buy it the day it came out. I bought that then to have it released a little bit early for them to watch it. Yeah, I, I can see me doing that. I mean, we were lucky we went and watched him too at the cinema. It landed at the right time here to go and do that. And it was great just to go out with the kids and have popcorn. But I said to him, as soon as it comes out, I'll buy it. And they're like, Dad, Dad, it's out on the Apple TV. I was like, no, it's not. It's it's rental. But as soon as it flips to be buy, that will be first on the list. Yeah, it is an odd choice, isn't it, in, in this day and age? Because 
who is going to rent it and then buy it? And if you rent it, the chances are you're going to buy it down the line a little bit. Why not just charge a little bit more up front and get the people who really want it? You know? Yeah. Charge if me you 20 quid right now, I'll pay it. Because we'd, we'd, we'd watch yeah. it a couple of times over. Yeah, it's the, the renting thing. And Amazon still do it as well, I noticed. They've got rent this film for 3 99 buy this film for 4 99 generally. Well. Yeah, and I never liked the rentals on Apple TV because it was... That you, if you started watching, you had to watch it within twenty four hours or, or some, some such number. And it's like, why? Why can't you just let me watch it until I'm done? What? Yeah, I, I, I never did. I never did rent anything. I always would just buy it so I could watch it and download it to my iPad and watch it when I was out and about. And I think I, I, I bet the percentage of people still renting things, as you've alluded to, is really small. Yeah, I'd have thought so. Right, gaming. Well, I, to I kind of finished Gran Turismo Seven. Kinda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I'd, I've been working my way through. I'm less bothered about the licenses than you are. I got bronze or silver medals and the odd gold in most of my licenses, and that did me. And I did some missions, and I got bronze, silver, and the odd gold in most of them. But I wanted to get on with the, what I thought was the main bit of the game, which is you collect these menu cards, and you've got to go off and get three Ferraris or three Alfa Romeos or a couple of Porsches, and it unlocks tracks, and it does it. I was happily working my way through them, and I'd, it's over 40 menus I worked through. None of them are particularly difficult, i got to say. And it went, you finished the game, and it rolled down credits. I was, oh, was that it then? Yeah, you're obviously a lot further on than me because I think I'm still trying to get a Ford Mustang. But um, I've got, I've been getting loads of value out of it just by trying to get gold on various levels. And for, I don't know why, but that's just clicked with me and I've, I've, I've quite enjoyed it. I think my wife thinks I'm going, I'm going crazy because I keep doing the same 30 second stint to try and get it as gold. But I'm really enjoying it. I'm getting good value out of it. I paid a lot of money for that game. My son's getting good value out of it, so I'm hoping we're getting a double whammy. But I think it is disappointing that you can complete get to the credits so quickly. And I agree with you. I don't think the levels are particularly... I think they're hard if you want to gold things or, or get the best time or what have you. But yeah, it could, it could have been a bit harder. They should have made it more of a mission, I think, to get to the credits, I think. Yeah, they sent me an email to say congratulations on completing Gran Turismo in 27 hours. And I'm like, I didn't really try all that hard particularly. And I'm not... I'm not the hardcore gamer with lightning reactions I was when I was in my 20s, that's for sure. So if, if a middle-aged man can sort of trundle through it in 27 hours while doing work and reading and watching TV and doing all these things as well, that's not huge amounts of value for money if you are a 15-20-year-old to 20-year-old gamer with lightning reactions. Hmm. Yeah, and probably a smaller income. So I, I don't disagree with you. And I think they give it... I know we spoke about the credits you get, but I seem to be accruing loads of money and cars, and so I'm not spending any money. And I've spoken to a few others... So I, I don't think I got the mechanics right because I remember playing this back on my PS2 and you were struggling to get cash and it made you do the races and get better at the races. And I thought the mechanic was a bit better, whereas I'm a little disappointed. Yeah, I remember sitting car. with a Formula One car and just going around the loop over and over and over because you'd get 30,000 credits or something. It was a really boring race. It was 15 laps. You didn't bother changing your tires because you could win it without it. And I think I'm over 3 million credits. Now, I haven't bought a single car in the game except for the very first one it made me buy. And there's no need. You don't need to. The cars you win are enough. Yeah, because you, you you win so many, agreed. I, I I think I bought one just for a bit. Yeah, I suppose if you're a completionist stuff. and there's, I don't know, there's 300 or 400 cars in the game altogether, 400 cars in the game, then you would want to go through and get them all. And you get different cars for getting gold medals and all the rest of it. But you're going to be pretty, well, you are getting your value for money if you sit and do that, but you'd be 70 and bored stupid by the time you were finished. Yeah, I've, I've got no illusions. I don't think I'm going to finish it, but like like to 100% everything, but I do want to try and get gold on the licenses. I don't know why, I'm just obsessing over that, and I, I will do the, 
the coffee button yep. I used. So yeah, good. I'm sure it may, it may pop up again. Otherwise, I've been playing a little bit of Call of Duty because I can't leave it alone. Uh, Warzone has just had a, a patch and an update for that. I bought the, the three monthly paths to, to get me to move on with that. And that's been a lot of fun. And that's kind of a way to chill out and relax for me. I've got a very good gaming PC sitting under my desk here. And it's nice to stretch. It's a rather expensive NVIDIA graphics card from time to time. On another note, I think... Next week, perhaps, when we talk about gaming, I'd quite like to talk about the state of gaming on Apple's platforms, particularly on the M1 platform, I think. The way that they're sort of pushing forward that, if at all. And things like Apple Arcade and all the rest of it, and how that ties in. So I think maybe we'll have a deeper dive on that. Cool. Okay. Let's move on. Do and the main show, which is back to WWDC again, isn't it? Yeah, I thought, why don't we just talk a little bit, just before rumours start to firm up, Kind of our hopes and dreams, I, I thought might be a good idea, just a bit on WWDC. I've got some ideas around the iPad predominantly, a few other bits and bobs, but um, I just thought it'd be good to do it before we get tainted by the by the leaks and stuff, because I'm assuming ahead of time we, we will start getting some more more certain information, you know, of what, what's going to get released. So why, why don't we kick off first question then? Do we think it's going to be hardware? Start, start with that, because it's mixed. If you look back over the years, it's mixed. And by how get hardware, I mean that they just announced something. Not My inclination would be that they'd announce a Mac Pro because they hinted so heavily at the last uh, event when they brought out the Mac Studio that there was one product still to come. That product is going to be the Mac Pro. I think they'll reveal it, but not make it available to buy. I think it'll be uh, before the end of the year job, but it'll be revealed. I'd love to be devil's advocate, but I completely agree with you. I think they're going to reveal it. They may, they may well announce it. I think, to be fair to Apple, they've done a stellar job on their pipeline of chips and getting devices out to people. So I, I'm with you. I think they will announce a Mac Pro. I don't think there'll be anything else. Maybe a screen. Maybe they're going to do the new Pro XDR screen. And I think they will announce that. That's, that's, that's my view of the world. Yeah, it's. I think it's pretty straightforward. I would be, when you said a new Pro screen, I thought maybe. I don't see that there's been another rumoured sort of mid-range screen between the low-end Mac, uh, Mac Studio display and, and the high-end XDR. There are technologies that are available in laptops, for example, like mini-LED, that aren't in the low-end screen. But the timing seems odd. If people are going to drop 1500 sorry, 1600 up to £2,000 on a screen, they might have dropped 2500 or £3,000 on a screen. So it just seems a bit odd to me, that. I think it's mixed rumours. My gut says it will be a high-end screen. And they were to replace the Pro XDR. That, that's my gut. Happy to be wrong on that because I wouldn't mind the mid-screen if they do do one. But I, I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to do it the high-end screen. I'll go Pro. with just the Mac Pro. I'm not putting any money down on the screen uh, at all. But other, other than that, I don't think there'd be other hardware announced at something like this because it's a it's a Pro developer-focused event. I, I can't see it. Is there going to be another thousand? I do stand? hope not. Just build it all in. Anyway. Uh, Yep, yep. So fair enough. Agreed. I, I think that's hardware done and dusted, isn't it? And we're not expecting any surprises. It would be lovely to think that we'd have some look at the AR, uh, the augmented reality glasses or the VR glasses, but I still think it's too early for for that product. Yeah. So I'm interested in this one. So why, why, why don't we start with Reality OS? Do we think Reality OS is coming? I think potentially it's interesting. You've hit. There's a lot of smoke around it, but would it be? Would it be announced at developer conference or would it be later in the year like they did when they did the Apple Watch and they announced it alongside like the iPhone event and they had a separate room built and they showed it all off? I'm curious to know what they're going to do on this or is it just going to be a standard year? I don't know. Part of me thinks it might be coming because 
they've not obviously released any updates or leaked anything to the press to say it's not coming because often you do get that like the headphone jack's going away next year or and you know they try and kill a rumor or, or get something out there to, to set expectation which we haven't really seen yet so i'm 50 50 i think on reality i if i'm honest i think the mac pros are dead sir i think yeah, yeah I, I think it's next year uh, you, you, to me you need the developers on board to build and i know we've got augmented reality applications now like the ikea app where you can pl- place your sofa if you've got a screen that does it and you've got lidar sensors in the phones and i think some ipads now where you get you can map rooms better to to do stuff like that but you've got to have the killer apps you've got to have the devs on board and there's got to be more in the market and i think Maybe some devs have already got something in hand to do this because that's often the way that they do it. But to me, I think it's another year. They're going to get the, the Apple Silicon transition out of the way and then they can go all guns blazing on, on, on AR, VR equipment next year. Yeah, I concur. And I'm, I'm surprised they haven't bought up any companies. I'm aware of like Meta buying up you know, part of their developer supply chain for the Oculus. So I'm surprised Apple haven't done something similar. Maybe, but again, they like yeah, to do these yeah. things in-house. You know, the, the the iPhone being the stellar example of we're just going to do this all pretty much ourselves. And, you know, they have. And they're successful with that some of the time. You could look at the big HomePod and say not all of the time. And you could look at other products in the line that have come and gone. Well, yeah, but they don't make them anymore. And when they break, they're done. And and you don't need to look back very far to things like the Apple Pippin, you know, the games console they did back in the day. That's that's before your time of being an Apple fan. It was a games console. It was sort of a vague partnership with Nintendo on the games console. Yeah, there's one for the show notes, the Apple Pippin. And if memory serves, I think they did one of the very first digital cameras as well, which had Uh, you put a floppy disk in the camera and you took your picture and that was it. Wow. Genius idea, though. Kind yeah, of like yeah. Ahead of its time from memory. Okay, so next up then on the list, I've wrote, I've written down TVOS. And part of me was thinking, I reckon they're going to rename it to HomeOS because you've run TVOS in your speakers, in your AirPods. I wonder <laughs> if they're going to do a big home initiative and bring it all together because there's been talk of having a HomePod with a screen on it. And like I say, where they've merged the OSs underneath, it kind of feels like that's all coming and we've seen jobs for HomeOS people. So I wonder if they're going to start just just bringing that together and you can see on the tabs of the website they've got tv and home as one tab and so i, I think that that might be something that, that gets announced finally this year because it's it's been sort of seeded in various bits and mentioned so the product they're missing here for me is the the home pod with a screen you know other than sort of propping your ipad up in the corner of the kitchen when you say i'm not going to say hey dingus set a timer for x then you need to ask the dingus again to tell you how long's left on the timer when you do it. So it's obvious that if something has a screen on it, it can show you what timers are running. I still think Siri is too stupid to be able to cope with multiple timers. And, and that's where all of this stuff falls down for me is Siri is an absolute moron. Um, in many, many, many aspects of things. Just this morning, I asked it to set a timer for my eggs and it told me it'd set an alarm for three o'clock in the day, not for a three minute timer. And it, it does that to me at least, you know, what three four times a month i it just missing i don't think so particularly even when i'm cold free it still does it and i just think that is a fairly basic fundamental thing to set a timer and you and you get that wrong 30 percent of the time and to be fair to you your your diction and your pronunciation is very good so it's not like it's going to get confused i I quite like it when my children ask the home button link and it will turn around and go hey child number one i've sent that to your ipad so you can look at it and then he goes to his iPad and he looks at it and he's like, oh, Safari's blocked. That, it, it's that, I mean, stuff like that is just unbelievable. And, and for me, a lot of the home OS stuff falls down where the dream of turning things on and off with your voice 
it, they're not there. And I, I said we're going to talk about home kit at a later t- a later date, so I, I, I we'll do that. But I think Siri needs to be better. Yeah. I understand bringing them together because you think of all the things that run a variant of of iOS. Because let's face it, iPad OS is a variant. Home OS is a variant. The Watch OS is a variant, mm-hmm. and even your your new monitor is a variant of. Oh, yeah, monitor OS. Monitor OS. It's, it's really iOS and underneath it all. So I kind of get that, but it's just branding on the surface for what's really going on underneath, isn't it? So the star of the show will always be iOS and, and all of these things because it's really leading the way of what's going to come next. I, 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 no, no, I agree. And I'm, I'm kind of going backwards through the list because I think the iOS bit will be more interesting. So the only thing I, I thought of when I wrote my notes was Home OS, will it bring widgets like to the to TV? And I think that, that could be quite cool be better to you know when you're on the home screen just show me apple tv expanded show me the netflix playlist coming up that i can do on my ipad or music widgets you know can i have those widgets on my tv please and that's the only thing i could think of that they that they've got out there already that they could bring to the tv to make the home screen a bit because the home screen's a bit of wasted space it's massive icons could we have have a bit more content population in there please so that's that's as a media company that's your storefront and what you want are people in using yeah. Netflix or Apple TV Plus or whatever. And anything they're footering around with the edges with, that's a distraction. So I think the dichotomy for Apple is, yeah, it'd be quite nice to have the weather widget up in the corner so you can see what the weather is outside or you know the calculator if you quickly wanted to add something up on your TV for whatever reason you might want to. I think James Thompson and PCalc would be all over that. But that 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 sort of tension between we want you actually clicking on Apple TV Plus and consuming our content or, or going into uh, to Netflix because we've got a partnership with them. I don't think they'll clutter it all that much. I really don't by putting in those kinds of features. But if you weren't going to open the app, is the widget way of getting you into the app if you've got some content? Oh, I didn't know. The new Drive to Survive's out. I'll go and watch that or, or whatever it may be. I don't know. It was the only thing I could think of that they need that they should add to the Apple TV that I would like they haven't got the yeah. existing technology in it. Yeah, I mean, the uh, there was a discussion on another podcast, uh, not a million miles away from this one in some sense, as they talk about Apple a lot, where they were talking about media streaming apps show you what content's coming next and how they've started to make it deliberately difficult to look at the next show. They make you go search for it because what they want to do is surface all the other cool stuff that they're going on. So they're deliberately hiding the thing that comes next. And that drives me wild. It actually annoys me more about the app than, than if they just show me what... And Apple is particularly egregious in this example. You'll be watching Severance for week after week after week and I'll go to look for it tomorrow and it'll be somewhere. I'll have to search for my voice to find it again. It drives me crazy. Does it not appear in the TV app? That's what I love. The TV app just shows me, oh, look, there's a new episode. No, because I might have gone to Netflix in the meantime, or I might have gone to Amazon Prime in the next time. You live mostly, I think, inside of the the, the Apple ecosystem when you're watching these things. But if I've gone off to watch MotoGP Unlimited, there'll be that there, and maybe there'll be Taskmaster because I've been watching that on 4OD, and they'll be at the top of the list, but Severance is gone. And then when you go to watch Severance that you've been watching for the last six weeks, why isn't it immediately when I click on the app? It, It drives me crazy. So... Yeah, okay, I can understand that. Is there anything else you want to say? It does TVOS? what I need it to do at the moment. I think I'm not very imaginative about TVOS. I, I can the things we've talked about in the, before that you've particularly liked, like having profiles, so your kids, you know, you don't get Thomas the Tank Engine type of thing. I completely understand that. I think younger kids would struggle to switch profiles anyway. You, you'd want to be a heavy consumer of media in your household, or use them in the way that you do for that particular use cases. I suspect most families just roll in 
click the thing and start watching it and aren't even really aware that there's profiles, except when the annoying thing for me comes up at the side and goes, hey Rod, do you want to switch profiles? Well, no, I don't want to switch profiles. I just want to watch my thing because nobody cares. So there's a lot of footering around with the edges when what it should be is a fast, efficient media streaming device. And I don't want a lot of frippery with it. And I think that's why it took them so long to bring this device to market in the way that it is now, because they fiddled with it too much. It should be a very simple thing. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And I don't think there's much else I want. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that was all I could Just do. one last thought, okay. just while I'm expounding, that that AirPlay 2 and what's on my iPad, being able to flick that on my screen should be an instant thing. You know, there should be no thinking about it or delay or anything. And if you've got quite good hardware, which you've got on Apple TVs and you spent money on it, if I'm sitting watching YouTube on my iPad, one button, bang, it should be up on the TV. And quite often that gets lost in, lost in process as well, or it thinks about it or all the rest of it. So all the things that should be really good at it, Here's what to do next time. Fix the bugs, make it better. Yeah, do the uh, Snow Leopard release for Apple TV. Speed it up. Just take out all the cruft. I don't disagree with that. Okay. Right, next to them, watch your I've got nothing to say here. I love my watch. No, I, I, no, I, I, I have got thoughts, go. but only in the way that what we've talked about before. So we've said previously, it's not great to make people exercise every day or have to stand up beyond a certain period of time for 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 reasons you know 12 hours a day every day for 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 x y and z if you're being a fairly active person otherwise if you are you know on a plane for x number of hours and switching airports and don't get a chance to do your exercise or do your steps or all the rest of it you should be able to take passes so people can close their rings so a little bit more thought on the way people actually use these things would be more useful so if you do jogging or running and you do your three runs a week or whatever it is that you're trying to do in your couch to 5k or even in your more regular exercise that you're hitting your exercise goals you shouldn't be encouraged to smash it every day every day my watch says you closed your exercise ring you got this today you got go for it tomorrow go for it tomorrow and it's always pushing you a little bit too hard i think a little bit of sensitivity could be built into you know that because let's face it most people buy apple watches as fitness trackers so they should be a little bit more aware of that uh, ignoring all the sensors, we can talk about the sensors in a minute, but that that would be a big thing for me. Yeah, I don't, you're right. That's probably the one thing they haven't done. I'd like to turn off the stand thing as well. I don't care about standing up. Sorry, I would agree with you. You should be able to have a rest day, maybe one week or something, just or maybe two a week, because they recommend you shouldn't exercise every day, like you say. So, I do think that would be healthy for them to do. It's not much I can think. I want the only other thing that slightly annoys me is how do I quickly get switch between apps? I haven't worked out a good way of doing that. I have the list view. So the honeycomb and I scroll through it, but I don't know. You kind of want a way of favoriting apps. I, I don't know. But um, I was just talking of where can they go with this? It feels quite mature now. It's quite quick. It looks right. Yeah, for me, um, the watch faces are a bit, they're a bit secondhand in the sense that a couple of these watch faces have been with us since the start. The, the, the functionality for adding in widgets, widgets and things to them isn't always immediately appropriate. We hear from devs all the time it's quite difficult to develop the widgets to make them work and to test them in a way. There have been rumours of test harnesses to make deploying apps to Apple Watch better. So that needs to happen at a developer conference. I think if it was easier to put apps on the watch, we'd have more and better apps on there. And there's no reason, as far as I'm concerned, you shouldn't be able to have custom designed faces. So if you're Rolex to pick, you know, to pick a, a brand at random, why can't you bring their watch face to it? What you know, we have Hermes and we have Nike watch faces, but Tag should be able to bring their own watch face and their own set of widgets. And you think that would be a partnership that they'd want to make that would bring you know more interesting things to the watch? And if you're random developer B and you want to make a not a Mickey Mouse face, but I don't know, I'm I'm trying to think of an appropriate uh, a Rick and Morty face or something like that to the watch, you should be able to do that. It shouldn't be Apple locking the system down to such an extent that they can't. 
no I, i'm i'm there i don't don't disagree how often do you change your watch face i I flick between two. I've got one with lo- as much stuff on there as I can get, which is a digital watch face with us, you know, all, all the bits and pieces. I can't remember the name of it. I change it that infrequently. And I tend to go for one of the analog watch faces with less information on it, depending. So when I'm in holiday mode, I don't want to see all that rubbish. I just want to tell the time. Whereas when I'm at work and I want my alerts and I want my calendar and I want X, Y, and Z, then I've got the busier one. And that's the two I flick between. I do just have it on one. And then I know where everything is when I glance at it. Because, and I find this with the home screen customization where you can turn on and off different home screens. It's a good idea conceptually, but then your brain's like, oh, I can't remember where to get into this app or this widget. So, okay. No, no, I think um, that, that would see? do it for me. For And it's a hardware thing. So I won't go into the other sensors that they can maybe do it. They've done quite a good job for me of in the latest version of the Apple Watches with having uh, oxygen saturation sensors and heart rate sensors. I mean, they could obviously have I don't know, blood sugar monitoring. That's almost possible these days on skin. All this stuff is really interesting. And somebody who works with recording healthcare data, more data from the watch that we could potentially access as part of what we do in research is really interesting because there have been some good scientific discoveries. And underpinning all this is things like Research Kit. It's a developer conference and it's slightly off a tangent for, for what we should be talking about with the watch maybe, but Research Kit f- figures into this that the APIs in Research Kit, so how you access it, haven't been properly updated for Swift UI. So they've left that way back in the past. And if you're trying to make things work or follow tutorials as a new researcher trying to get something simple up and running on the watch, they've made that far too difficult. There was one session at last year's WWDC about how it worked with Research Kit. And for something that launched with a big bang and lots of universities and hospitals have started using, keep Research Kit, keep Health Kit, keep these you know other other integral APIs that people have started to use up to date with the technologies, with the tutorials. So you don't need to be an expert developer to get these things up and running. If all you want to do is run a survey on your patient population, that should be easy to do. That's the way they sold it. So stuff like that, that they can bring to the watch, that we can make use of these amazing technologies that they're putting on people's wrists and in their hands, you know, to make use of it. No, I agree. And Apple are famous for releasing something and not maintaining it. Surely they can afford a couple of people to do it. I do get annoyed when you see one-man bands turning out constant good updates or one person band, shall I say. And then you look at a big companies like you can't even maintain your own stuff that you've released to big fanfares. And yep. so, so I don't, don't disagree with you. All right, Mac, I've got, I want them to just do? Uh, do a, we sorry to said snow leopard. I think they should do a snow leopard uh, to be fair. Monterey has got better as it's gone on. It's, it's a fairly stable OS now for me. I don't see many crashes in the way that I was seeing in Catalina and Big Sur. That could be done to the amazing hardware that it's running on these days. But no, it's become quite a mature OS. I haven't seen a lot of the issues with it, but I don't need anything new at this point. There are some things they could do with fixing, you know, in, in terms of you know, the icon widgets uh, built within Windows and things like that. There's now an option to leave that on. And I use that kind of functionality all the time to drag that and, you know, drop it into mail to send off and all the rest of it. That shouldn't be hidden. Just make that part of the way the operating system works. But it's only very sort of minor and the edges changes. I, I don't mind them putting in big API stuff that we're going to get cool technology in a year time, year or two's time, fine. But just stand still for a minute, Apple. Make sure things are fixed. Get your developer relations sorted out. Get your API call sorted out. Stop being sued by, you know, the Netherlands and all the rest of it. Fix all that stuff. Make sure you've got that set out so you're not going to fall apart next year when, when all the antitrust comes stuff. Antitrust stuff comes. So for me, it's underpinning. Make sure it's solid. Make sure it's secure. Make sure you've got all, all the stuff. I don't need new flashy implementations. Think I don't want it to look more like the iPad. I think they've learned their lesson on that one. I wonder if they will start taking advantage of Apple Silicon a bit more. 
Now, now we've got it out there, version two of the OS since Apple Silicon, or is it version three, <laughs> version three of the OS since Apple Silicon? Will it start taking more advantage of it? I'm assuming it's going to support Intel for a little bit longer. Yeah, I think we've got a few more years left to roll on that. But no, definitely, I, I think it is quite mature. I barely use my Mac. My wife certainly has got no complaints with hers. So I think it is a mature year. It could be wrong. You never know. They might completely change anything. But we've had a number of years where they have changed the icons three times in a row kind of thing and typography and things. So I think it would be good just to have a bit of stability, clean it up, speed it up, make it more secure. Yeah, but if you think of the the things they announced last year for Monterey, it was tab groups in Safari and moving the URL bar to the bottom, universal control. And I'm really struggling to remember with much more that they actually put into the operating system. So if that's the kind of upgrades we're going to get again, they'll make a change and everybody will cry out in alarm and go, no, you can't possibly do this. And something they don't actually release till, well, not long before the next version of the, of the OS comes along. That sounds like they are going to hopefully fix things under the surface a little bit because these platforms are now quite mature and you can pull a Windows and you know stick a dock at the bottom of the screen. Who'd, who'd think of doing something like that? But no, I think... Work on the apps. You know, there's some neglected apps kicking around in the operating system. Notes got a lot of love. Why won't reminders get a lot of love? There are things in my utilities folder on my Mac that I haven't looked at in a very long time. Is that because the apps are no good anymore? Or is it because that they could use a little bit of love? Terminal is an app that very rarely changes, except when they, you know, change the underlying. They went from Zed Shell, went to Zed Shell from Bash and things like that. So there's just nips and tucks, a little bit of love, as you put it, for for some of the other apps and not just a couple of big headline features would be a good thing to see. Yeah, I agree. Actually, I was just flicking through the Monterey page just to remind me a little bit. And actually, obviously, shortcuts came last year to the Mac. And there was a lot of talk around SharePlay and FaceTime. They were kind of the real big hitters. But actually, they're more just keeping the platforms in parity. And I think that is a problem now. They've got to keep everything in parity. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think let's speed it up, make it better. You know, let's not change lots of things. Everybody wants a bit of consistency, I think. Okay, so let's go on to iOS and iPad OS. And you're right, they are the same sort of OS. I've written down a few things I'm interested in. I think one that might come this year is interactive widgets, which I think does make sense. I think we all expected it last year to be widgets version two, and nothing really happened. We got a big widget on an iPad, and the iPad supported it. So I would like to see play controls on widgets, you know, that that kind of thing. I could do a bit bit more with it. So that was number one, which is both iPad and iOS. And then really just on the iPad, there's three things I think I'm after. Uh, one was more work on Swift Playgrounds. I want to see them iterate on Swift Playgrounds because I think it's good. I've enjoyed using it. It'd be great to see that they're invested in it and it just continually, just little and often updates. I wrote down, it'd be great if they did maybe watch apps on it. It'd be good to do that because sure there's no reason why I couldn't develop a watch app on my iPad. It's got to be quick enough. It's an M1 for God's sake. So I'd like to see them just keep chipping away at Swift Playgrounds and invest in it because I don't want to start using Swift Playgrounds a lot and then it gets no love for two years because I think that would be frustrating. And then the other two things I've written down is one was universal control. I'd love to see that just between my iPad and another iPad rather than having to have a Mac. It's a technology they've already got. Can we just use that again, please? And it kind of links in with, can I get external monitor support, please? Again, you've got the tech in your Mac. Can I have that on my iPad, please, to take advantage of the screen? And that's really it. That's my list. And I don't think anything I'm asking for is stuff they can't do or haven't done already. So no, I, I, I quite list. like your list. Anyway. You? I mean, universal control. I understand if you're a heavy iPad user, 
iPad to iPad, iPad to, you know, phone, phone to iPad, whatever it would be. It seems like the next logical thing. I think the windowing needs to be properly done and rethought, and I know they did it like two years ago, but it still doesn't work very well in this land where we could be plugging in things like studio displays to it. So, and why not monitors with external touch screens on them? You know, there are lots of portable, uh, portable sort of 12 inch screens that you can plug in with a, with a Thunderbolt cable that would give you a touch screen. So I, I agree with you. I think this year should be a year of iPad upgrades where they bring an operating system that works with processes of such power because we can see what an M1 Mac can do. Why can't an M1 iPad do something? I mean, it doesn't have to be the same. It's not Mac OS, Macintosh OS, but it should be capable of an awful lot more. So I, I agree with you. I think they need to focus on that. For the phone side of things, I don't have much in the way of requests for that other than I see the odd thing on Android that I think that's quite a good idea. And I think even they may have stopped doing it. But if you don't have CarPlay on your phone, when you get in the car and start driving, particularly the way the law has just changed in the UK, that if you're seen touching your phone in any way, shape, manner, or form with six penalty points and a fine, then why doesn't it just turn into a CarPlay-type display? My phone is huge, you know. it's it, it, it's It's got a very large screen on it. Show me a map when I'm driving along, you know, turn into that sort of interface. There's no reason it couldn't do that kind of stuff. So I, I don't have very high requests of the OS. Some more emoji in an update is fine for me. Again, it's very mature. I'm not sure what they can do in the ways, you know, particularly upgrade the, you know, cameras and stuff like that. It doesn't matter. The software is the thing that just needs to change quite carefully. And if we all remember all the way back to the iOS 7 days where they changed all the widgets, uh, changed all the icons and things, it really put people off. So I think that sort of little and often stuff with the software, just give them interactive widgets might be a really good example of something that people really embraced. Even my kids who don't care about what's on their phone, as long as they can get a Snapchat, thought widgets were the greatest things ever because they could show a picture of their boyfriend or they could, you know, run a little thing with a reminder or X number of days to the next exam or whatever it was. And they thought that was great. So that's what gets people is those little features, which don't aren't very expensive computationally, but look really good. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. I think. Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm with you. I think just do little and often some good updates. Let's not reinvent the world. I don't think we're ever going to get an iOS seven. We've redesigned every icon and every interaction. We touched on monitor support. You, we, both of us did. And one thing I was just going to say back was, you know, we've got it in the Mac, but I don't want the iPad to become the Mac. I want it to be its own thing. I enjoy using my iPad the way it is because it is different to the Mac. It's not as complicated. It doesn't look the same. I sat down to use my Mac the other day and I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I can't remember where anything is. And actually I didn't really enjoy using it that much because I'm just so used to using my iPad. And so I just just want to take advantage. So when I plug in a nice screen, I haven't got massive black borders all around it because I know this thing can drive more than that. It's got 16 gig of RAM in it. It's got an M1. It's got more RAM than my Mac, but yet it's being held back. And I think we need to see that. Uh, that be unleashed the other thing i did just write in actually for the ipad is can it please support the thumbprint on the thumbprint reader the touch or sensor on the apple keyboard because again why can't it use that if Mac can, why can't it do that because then you could actually really use your ipad in clamshell mode which is again a feature i'd like so my list is just to give me give me the things you can already know how to do just make Fair enough, an and equally way. give me face ID on a Mac. I concur with that. That's How is crazy. that not in the studio? Good. Display? I think that does it for uh, for what things we'd like to see for WWDC, Chris. So I think we'll call it a show at that. So thank you to everybody for, for tuning in this week. If you want to get in contact, we are wake from sleep at protonmail.com. That's our email address. And if you want to reach out to us on Twitter, we are WFS underscore podcast. And again, love to hear any feedback, any thoughts. Um, we want to keep doing this for a lot longer. So and we'll try and be, we'll and we'll try and be on time a bit more as thanks, well. Thanks, Rod. So, thanks for listening. See you next week, Chris. Bye.